3: This is the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. I'm Eric Balkman from the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour and the FFPC. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric Balkman and the FFPC on Twitter at FFPC. Today I'm speaking with Jason Aberle, a longtime High Stakes veteran and former FFPC auction champion. He has a team in 24th place overall in the FFPC main event right now, a contest that will pay out more than $2.1 million in prizes, including a $250,000 grand prize to first place. Aberley's total prize winnings in the last few years alone in the FFPC total nearly $10,000. In this episode, he and I talk about why Tyreek Hill was a good call in the third round, his expectations on the Eagles' backfield going forward, and much more. You can follow Aberly on Twitter at JasonAberly CPA. Before we get into the show, I want to remind everyone that you can get a listeners only 30% discount to a Rotoviz NFL pass through the NFL podcast homepage, rotoviz.com podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of the Rotoviz content and tools, and it helps support the podcast channel as well. Now, without further ado, here is former FFPC auction champion. Jason Averly.
1: Rotoviz High Stakes Lowdown this week welcomes Jason Averly to the program. Very excited to have you on, my friend. I know you've been on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour before, and we uh, we have plenty to talk about as we enter week six of the fantasy football season. Before we get into that, tell the listeners what you do uh, for a living, and thanks for coming on the program.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, thanks for having me, Eric. Uh, always fun to do this. Uh, so in my in my in my day job, uh, I'm a CPA. Um, not your normal CPA. I don't do taxes or anything like that. But I work for a large national construction company, and we build restaurants, retail all throughout the country. And uh, yeah, so the, the, it's it's interesting. The the CPA world, you know, a lot of the high stakes players that they find them they are CPAs. Uh, it just kind of leads itself to that the the analysis with the numbers. Very similar to the analysis with uh, with analyzing players and draft spots and and finding value.
1: Yeah, I feel like, and I don't have any hard numbers in front of me, but on the high stakes fantasy footballer, we're probably approaching like two dozen CPAs that we've had on the on the show there before. There's a ton of them that play off FPC.
4: Yep, yep, there sure are. Uh, yeah, like I said, I think it's that that analyzing the numbers and situations and you know trying to derive and predict something from that. It, it's it's common in both. Well, for sure, and
1: some of the numbers that you crunched led you to leading, uh, led led you to uh, taking Alvin Kamara at the 104 in this team that's in 24th place overall in the FFPC main event. Obviously, you've been reaping the rewards of that Kamara pick there this week. Uh, and I want to get your take on this. He actually took a back seat in the backfield because Mark Ingram returned from exp- uh from suspension. How close will what we saw Monday night be to what the new normal is in, in new Orleans uh, for both Ingram and Camara going forward?
4: Uh, As a Camara owner, I'm, I'm, I'm not worried. I know a lot of people are probably uh, probably having some sleepless nights over that, but you know, I really think it had to do with the game. I think they wanted to get Ingram back in the flow, you know, give him plenty of touches. I'm guessing that they, they, Knew they were going to win that game pretty easily being at home Uh, Monday night. That just set up perfect for them against a subpar Washington team. And then you had the whole thing with Drew Brees, too. So you knew they were going to pass, and you knew they wanted him to break that record at home and get that before they went to the bye. And and also, at the same time, save a little tread on Kamara's tires uh, for later in the season. Um, So I'm not too worried about it. He's still a dynamic player. He, uh, you know, he creates mismatches all all over the field. And they're going to be using him, uh, so I'm not worried about it going forward. Uh, it worked out really good for me. I was in another league where I had a 10-point lead going into Monday night, and the guy had Camara, and I, I was, I had nothing left, and uh, I feel like a miracle that, that pulled that one off.
1: Yeah, that's yeah. Listen, there's there's something to be said for that. That is fantastic work by you. Uh, and, well, not that you did anything, but you know, sweating that it's good one good defense. Out. Yeah, yeah, it's good defense. It was good, good. fantasy de- defense for right. you, uh, certainly on on Monday Night Football uh, for sure. Now, as we move forward to uh, Kansas City and, and talk about them, because this has been the talk of fantasy, what Patrick Mahomes and company is doing. Uh, there over for the Chiefs with the addition of Sammy Watkins, the return of Kareem Hunt, and obviously Travis Kelsey still soaking up a ton of targets there. A lot of fantasy owners, and I think I've touched on this on the, both this program and the HSFF before, they were nervous about Tyreek Hill, and, and and a lot of pundits out there said, told people to stay away from Tyreek Hill this year because he certainly wasn't going to live up to not only the hype, but what he did in 2017. But you were not dissuaded uh, you know, to not take him there because you took him at the 304 in this FFPC main. Why did you choose to take Hill ahead of other guys, uh, popular guys that, that had been going there and, and maybe have not had been as successful as Tyreek Hill so far this season? But plenty of people were taking guys like Adam Thielen, T.Y. Hilton, Stephon Diggs in the third round. Tell the listeners why you decided to go with Tyreek Hill there.
4: But he's the type of player that I target in these main events. I don't go in trying to win my league or finish second in my league in cash. I mean, I'm trying to win the whole thing, the overall. And he is a dynamic player. Uh, he's the type of guy that I think that you need to to, to have to, to win the overall in one of these main events. I'd actually, you know, when I was kind of penciling out my draft in this league, I'd actually plan to take him the second round because – I think I had picked four, and I just I didn't want to chance it. I mean, he was he was one of the key guys that I wanted. I really believed in Pat Mahomes, uh, loved their offense, and uh, was targeting him in round two. And in that draft, Devontae Adams actually fell to me at, in, in round two at pick four, which, you know, really doesn't really happen very often. So I kind of felt like he fell in my lap. I couldn't pass up on him, and it worked out great that, that, that Tyreek Hill was there for me to come back. And, and also in the NFL PC this year, you know, they have a week 12 bye which in the FFPC is first week of the playoffs. And I think that probably shied some people away from him, but I actually like that better because I'm sure tr- I wanted to win my league. And if you've got your number two, number three overall player, uh, available all 11 weeks of the regular season, you know, that, that really is a big benefit to you and to winning your league or, you know, whatever it takes winning league, most points to getting into the main event playoffs. And that was my goal. And so all those Kansas city players really, uh, Really looked attractive to me because of that, and you know I just love Tyreek. I love you know the guy's unguardable. He's he's dynamic. He's lightning. uh, He's just a weapon. He and 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 they're going to use him. So that was my thought process there.
1: Yeah, and I'm actually surprised. You know we we saw the one play in preseason that deep ball that Patrick Mahomes threw to Tyreek Hill. We've seen a little bit of that in, in the regular season, but I'm almost wondering if and I haven't done any film study or anything on this. I'm almost wondering if corners are playing so far. Off Tyree Kill right now, not only because of his speed, but as a respect to what you know the cannon that Mahomes has for an arm, that this is opening up a lot of stuff underneath for him, that he's able to to run these shorter routes and and as a speed guy still collect a lot of targets and a lot of catches in a PPR format still makes him very valuable.
4: Absolutely, and if you, you go back and watch the games, he's drawn a couple pass interference on some deep balls, and like even last Sunday, he got behind the defense and and. It was probably 40, 50 yards down the field, and Mahomes, he underthrew him. He had a step or two on the on the DB there, and, and Mahomes, you know, he, he's known for this gun of an arm, and you're not, you're not going to uh, overrun the guy, but Tyreek Hill was somewhere. He still had a weight, The fender caught up, and, and it was an incomplete pass. Um, but, yeah, I, I do think that they are playing back off of him, and it is creating a little space for him to, to catch, a, you know, a few more of these short, short bubble screens and, and short routes.
1: Yeah, it definitely makes him a, a valuable uh, player, not only for the Chiefs, but for fantasy owners as well. I mean, let's take you back to uh, Thursday night here, <clears throat> excuse me, last Thursday night, with the Colts and the Patriots playing. The Patriots essentially only had two running backs active and up that night. It was Sony Michel, and it was James White, who you took at the 809 in this, uh, in this FFPC main where you're sitting in, in 24th place. I'm curious, would you recommend to a fantasy owner, to a high-stakes owner, or what have you, to confidently start both Sony Michel and James White going forward here, maybe even regardless of matchup, because you know that Michel is is going to get the workload and, and White is going to get a lot of targets.
4: Absolutely. I mean, historically, the Patriots have had three or four options at running back. Um, and, you know, two or three of those guys have always been useful in fantasy. And now they're down to – right now they're down to two – and the, the thing about Tom Brady and the thing I, I love about him is he beats people when he gets to the line of scrimmage. You know, and when I say that, I mean, he, he finds a mismatch and, and a guy like Michelle, he's going to be your runner. And a guy like James White, he creates so many mismatches on whoever mismatches on whoever's guarding them. And, and Tom knows how to put him in motion, uh, line them up wherever he needs to see that mismatch. And he's going to go right after it. And the guy can catch and they can run with the ball. Um, so I think they're absolutely viable options. Uh, Josh Gordon opening up the field to me can only help a guy like James White or Julian Edelman who's going to catch shorter, you know, balls closer to the line of scrimmage. So I think they're both definitely viable options down coming or you know going down the stretch of the, the season here. The Patriots they they've killed people in the draft. So they're fantastic at that point. And to take a running back in the first round like they did, Sonny Michelle. I mean, that, that tells you what they think of his ability, and they're, they're not going to put that – you know, they're going to give him the rock for sure.
1: Yeah, it, it's one of those things that's just like – and I'm still trying to wrap my head around uh, Dynasty. And, Jason, I don't know if you played Dynasty, but, like, when I look at – you know, one of the things I looked at when, when it came to being, okay, well, obviously I like Saquon Barkley number one yeah. th- as far as rookie <clears throat> running backs go. Who's number two on that list? Is it Michelle? Is it Penny? Is it Jones? Is it guys? You know, all these other guys – uh, Freeman. Um, and then, you know, you make the, sa- the same argument like, well, um, New England soaked a first round pick into Michelle. Obviously, he, you know, they think a lot of him, he's going to be great. And a lot of people made a similar argument with Rashad Penny, but I guess that that doesn't hold as much weight because maybe Seattle doesn't have the good track record in the draft that New England does because Rashad Penny's still number three on the depth chart. And not only is he not getting targets, Jason, he's hardly getting snaps there.
4: Well, they pulled a guy off the of scrap heaps, Mike Davis, who right. wasn't even on a team two weeks ago, to play over Rashad Penny. Um, yeah, and, and, you know, look at Sonny Michelle too. He played in the SEC. played against elite competition. Rashad Penny plays out, you know, in the Big West Conference, the West Coast. And it's just not the same level of competition. And, you know, he's pretty shown pretty much in the, in the preseason, too. He can't block. He's not good in pass protection. And you're, the NFL is not going to put a guy out there that can't keep their – $10 million, $20 million investment at quarterback upright. They're just not going to do that.
1: You know, it, it, that's a great point. And, you know, um, I, I do this uh, uh, afternoon talk show on on local radio here in, in Wisconsin, and obviously it's Packers crazy here. And one of the things that people keep clamoring for is, why doesn't Aaron Jones get the ball more? Why mm-hmm. isn't he rushing? And I keep coming back to, like, it'd be great for Green Bay to get a good running game going with Aaron Jones however the need to keep your quarterback upright and on the field which is what Jamal Williams does when he pass pass blocks and picks up those blitzes the need to keep Aaron Rodgers out there and healthy is much more important so if Rodgers has to put the the team on his back to try to win games with these rookie receivers and whatever so be it but you cannot, given where Aaron Jones is in pass protection right now, and we don't know exactly where he is because we're not watching the practices, but this is kind of what Mike McCarthy alluded to earlier in the week, and this is where fantasy owners should care. It's like, yes, Aaron Jones looks great when he's rushing the ball. Until he pass protects, he's never going to be anything more than a role, a role player, which is what he's doing on that team right now. And I think as fantasy owners, you've got to know that when you're starting, you're rolling the dice big time.
4: Exactly. And that that's the stuff that you've got to consider when, when you're watching these games and, and trying to evaluate who's going to get the carries. I mean, I, I totally agree with you. Aaron Jones looks like the far superior running back if you just watch him rush the football, catch the football. But if he can't keep Aaron Rodgers upright, he, he's not going to play. Yeah. I do think the Packers, though, I, I think they need, I think they're kind of screwing up with what they're doing uh, as far as rotating these three guys in and out. You don't get anybody, allow anybody to get any rhythm going. You know, Jamal Williams has looked okay when he's run the ball but they give it to him for a series and then he's out and and Ty Montgomery's in there and then and Jamal Williams in, and then Aaron Jones runs in every third or fourth series and it's just none of these guys can get any rhythm going I I don't really fully understand why they're doing that but I, I definitely think it, it's obviously making the fantasy world myself included very frustrated with that but um yeah, you got to consider all that when when you're looking at the, these players.
1: And and not only that, and I don't want to turn this into like a Packers running back show, but I will say this, like when when <laughs> de- when opposing defenses see Ty Montgomery out there, they kind of know what he's going to do when they yeah, see, exactly. when they see Aaron Jones in the game. They kind of know what play the Packers are running. When they see Jamal Williams in there, yeah, maybe a pass, it may be a run. But Jamal Williams hasn't been particularly effective with either one of them. You know, so I don't know how much of a threat he is. It's like if you can. That's why these three down running backs are so valuable because you can get a guy like David Johnson or Le'Veon Bell or Todd Gurley or Saquon Barkley. You don't know what's. There's no way to, to kind of handicap. What type of play is it going to be? You know, where you have these specialty backs in there, you kind of know uh, what to expect as a defense, and you can eliminate a lot of stuff uh, that that could happen on that play. Anyway, let's move on from the Packers um, and and talk. About... I'm a Bears
4: fan, so I'm happy to move uh, on. From there Packers you go. Okay, so let's point.
1: let's talk about uh, one of one of the mutual rivals in in the division in Detroit, uh, who just fresh off beating Green Bay handily, uh, might I add, Kenny Galladay continues jason to perform at a very high level and seeing that you got him in this draft in the 10th round you got to be loving life getting a talent like that who's who's not only getting the opportunity but he's taking full advantage of it as well at the end of the season do you envision kenny galladay as being the highest fantasy scoring wideout on that detroit team
4: uh yeah you know that he was one of my one of my main targets this year of guys that i wanted in those middle rounds you know just watching him last year watching him in the preseason he just stood out every time he was on the field and uh he can do things that golden tate can't do you know golden tate's good at a lot of things but he can't go down the field and go up and get the ball like kenny galladay can and you know you know that detroit can't run the ball you know they did draft a running back and he looks really good but uh historically they've not been able to run the ball i don't think they had a hundred yard rusher for it was probably like 10 years or something <laughs> uh, but time, yeah yeah that yeah, just he can't carry on johnson just broke that um, but yeah, in my, in my opinion, I do think it by the end of the year, you know, Galladay and, and Tate will be one, two, there's enough balls going around, you know, to where he's probably going to return third, fourth round value. I think he'll probably be the, the highest, uh, most score the most touchdowns on the team with Tate probably catching a few more balls, you know, and yards will probably be similar in, uh, in my opinion, but yeah, I mean, the guy's just a tremendous talent. Uh, he's got a really good, really good quarterback there. And, uh, yeah, he was a, he was a great, perfect target I thought in, in that ninth tenth round. Felt very lucky to get him.
1: Where where things could get crazy next year is is now Marvin Jones is under contract with Detroit through 2020. However, Golden Tate is a free agent after this season. I mean, if Kenny Galladay is is on a Golden Tate less Lions team next year, I mean his his draft position could get out of control, especially if he finishes this year strong, which it looks like he is primed to do.
4: Absolutely. You know, he'll probably get a different uh, level of cornerback guarding him if Golden Tate's not on the team. I know Tate lines up in the slot quite a bit, but you know he does play outside quite a bit. When he does, he's probably getting the number one corner on the other team. So Galde might, you know, he might have a a little bit of a, of a struggle with playing against a better corner than he's probably pl- getting uh, getting matched up with now. But yeah, I totally agree.
1: Yeah, and 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 I told, yeah, and you're spot on with that. And I'd like to think. Again, you assume that that Detroit knows how to get him the football, but I'd like to think that he'll get more targets than next year too. I mean, unless Detroit's going to do something with their tight end position or or bring in another big-ticket free agent receiver, which I can't imagine him doing, but anything's possible. But Galladay definitely is a guy I think we're going to be talking a lot about in the lead-up to the 2019 season for sure. Uh, Let's shift over to the...
4: Yeah, uh, I think they're going to run the ball more.
1: Oh, that could be, too. I mean, I, I know, like, for whatever reason... Kerryon Johnson is, is a stud back there. I, for whatever reason, I, I, I don't know why they're, they're staying away from it this year because he's looked very effective um, when he's been out there. But I I'd like to think that well, and 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 Jason, time will tell too, because if they load up with an early round pick on the offensive line, or maybe exactly. sign, sign mm-hmm. an offensive lineman, we'll know exactly what they're trying to do in Detroit. And then maybe carry on Johnson, <laughs> and his his ADP gets out of control. In any event, it's going to be fun to watch for sure. Uh, in the backfield in the NFC East is uh, it, it, what? Excuse me, was J. bit But he was placed on IR by Philadelphia this week with a torn acl so as you try kind of handicap that running back situation in, in philly jason who's the one to own and what are your expectations for him for the remainder of the season from a fantasy perspective
4: that's got to be Corey clement i mean he's he's by far the most talented of of the three that they have back there with being wendell smallwood and and josh adams is the other two um yeah i guess darren sproles is still in the mix too he's he's a little banged up now but you know Corey clement Catch the ball, run the ball, runs hard, uh, can run in between the tackles, has a real great nose for the end zone. Uh, he's one of the, to me, he's one of those guys that always is falling forward, always getting that extra yard. Uh, but he's been fragile in the, in, the, in the two years he's been in the NFL. Um, but he, to me, he's he's the one to own. I, you know, I, I my, my expectation for him is an RB two going forward. Um, I do think Wendell Smallwood will get some run. He'll catch some balls out of the backfield. You know, Doug Peterson has never shown that he's going to commit to one guy. So there's going to be multiple guys playing. And you know, Darren Sproles will be back at some point. So you know, he'll get some catches and some some carries a, 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 at some point. You know, Peterson's shown that he trusts him and he, he likes him. But you know, I, I've got Clement on my board as a, as a running back too going forward, and and would not be uh, would feel great about starting him in my flex spot or yeah. even my you know in my running back two spot.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think you make a good point there. I think it is Clement and the fact that you have him as, you know, essentially a top 25 option. You you know that, you know, you know how Philly won the Super Bowl last year was, was with going, um, splitting up that backfield work pretty well. Um, now you look at, you know, no Jay Ajayi uh, in that backfield. Darren Sproles trying to get back on the field. I, I think you're rolling the dice a little bit starting Clement on a week-to-week basis, but you can do a lot worse at, at flex than Corey Clement going forward. As long as he is healthy. Smallwood, unless you're in a bad, in a bad way on a, you know, in a bye week or injury or something like that, you gotta, you gotta find, you gotta find somewhere else uh, to go rather than starting Wendell Smallwood on your team.
4: Yeah. You're, you're hurting if that's your, if that's your option. Um, I think he really probably needs a Corey Clement injury to uh, to do anything in it. If Clement gets hurt, they're probably going to go out and find some other somebody else a trade. Um, I've heard LeSean, read LaShawn McCoy's name kicked around. Uh, there's some other guys that are probably on the block that I think they would go after because they're 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 they've got to be the favorite to win the win the East right now. And uh, I don't think they're going to go the rest of the season with Wendell Smallwood as their starting running back.
1: Certainly not. Uh, I know Chicago will be going. And this is your Bears too, so this will be. Great. It's my Bears. They will be going with uh, looks like a tandem of Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen the rest of the way. It's it's been um, working for them thus far. I, I'm curious though, it, it, as far as Jordan Howard Jordan Howard's owners go, if you look at what Mitchell Trubisky did um, for for the Bears prior to the bye week and how that offense was seemingly clicking on all cylinders. Without really having to lean on Jordan Howard at all, how nervous are you going forward when you're, you know, um, putting Jordan Howard into your starting lineup, um, knowing that they were awesome without him, uh, and and he was really an afterthought. How do you sort of handicap that going forward with Jordan Howard's uh, fantasy prospects?
4: I'd be very nervous. You know, he he's a he's a guy that's not going to catch many balls. You know, he's not going to get enough touches to, to consistently get over 100 yards rushing. So you're relying on him getting a touchdown. You're relying on a big breakaway run, which with his lack of speed is unlikely. It happened quite a few times last year, but, you know, they were three or four times throughout the season. So, uh, you know, to me, you've you got to be hoping for, for a touchdown and, and 12 points out of the guy. And I, I'd rather have Tre Cohen and his, his guaranteed four catches and, and you know, the, the gadget that he brings to the offense, Matt Nagy's shown that that he likes to uh, to open up the offense and and run some pretty cool plays. And, you know, Trubisky's getting better every week, and he's got a lot more weapons too. You know, Allen Robinson on the outside, Taylor Gabriel is, is, is a guy that I absolutely love. I think he was underused in, in Atlanta, and he's shown so far in Chicago that the guy can get open, he can create space, and he's been open on – a lot of long throws that Trubisky's missed so far. I've watched every play of every one of those games, and you know Trubisky, I think he's now getting more confident, and he's he's making his decisions a little quicker. You can see that happen over the last couple weeks, and, and he's starting to complete some of these passes that he was overthrowing earlier. And they've just got so many weapons with Burton and, and, and Gabriel and, and Robinson. The field's just wide open, and Nat, Matt Nagy's so creative. Um, yeah, I, I think Jordan Howard. Uh, if I'm if I'm a Jordan Howard owner. In um, these high-stakes leagues, you can't trade, obviously, but I'm, I'm I'm certainly nervous about him, and and he'd be on my bench if I had a a 12 to 15 point option over him.
1: Yeah, and and you know it's it's going to be tougher to put him on the bench going forward with the bye weeks, but we're going to get more of a sample size and and more of uh of an opportunity to see how this Bears offense operates going forward. And then when it comes down to it, and you're in your league playoffs, you know come week 12 and 13 and you'll hopefully you'll be at full force with all your weapons on your roster. And by that point in the yep. season, you may have a better option than Jordan Howard. Um, when you want to play when you're trying to play to, to get to the championship round.
4: Absolutely. It'll be interesting to see what they do coming out of the bye week this week uh, with Jordan Howard. You know, I, I I think that their offense is only going to get more complicated, and more complicated as the season goes along. And, 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 the, and the whole, the team, you know, grasp more and more of that offense. So, yeah, I, I, I'll be curious to see what he does with Howard this week, how many touches he gives him. Jason,
1: one of the things that, and, and I, I know listeners to this podcast know, one of the things that I've struggled with on uh, my teams over the last, you know, whatever it's been, uh, however long I've been playing, um, you know, high stakes stuff, uh, 10 plus years or whatever, um, it, it's bye weeks and looking mm-hmm. ahead and trying to make sure, you know, because like when I'm playing in my basement leagues or, or you know, uh, home leagues or whatever, I can wait until, you know, I, like take this week, for instance, I can wait till week five is over, see who I need, see who I need to, to fill in at flex or quarterback or tight end or, or what have you, and I'll be okay. But these higher stakes leagues, um, it, it's difficult to do that because so much of the talent is gobbled up and you kind of got to look forward, not just one week, but sometimes two, three weeks in advance to try to figure out you know, make your best guess at what your roster is going to look like. So you're not caught with your pants down and, and starting as we alluded to earlier, somebody like Wendell Smallwood or something like that. Um, I'm curious how far in advance when, when you're managing these teams, how far in advance do you look at bye weeks uh, when you're adding guys off the waiver wire to not only fill the open spots in your lineups for that week, but in, in future weeks that, you know, when you know you're going to need somebody.
4: Well, definitely look forward a couple weeks. Um, You know, I generally get an idea of of how many spots I got to fill, and 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 what what the waiver wire looks like. When you're doing these these high stakes leagues, it's funny the waiver wires. I mean, they're they're probably 96, 98 percent the same same people available on the waiver wires in every single league. So you you have a flavor of what's available. But I'm looking ahead probably two weeks, two three weeks. Uh, My drafting strategy is I don't even. Consider bye weeks when I'm drafting. I take the best players, you and, and according to my plan, I don't even really worry if I, if I've got a ton of bye weeks in the same week. Uh, I know a lot of people are probably different on that, but uh, my theory is everybody's gonna sit out one week, and if I've got my team for every week but one and I lose that week, you know, so be it. I mean, most of these leagues are the people that win it have one or two losses anyway, so you know, I've got my full strength team the rest of the weeks. Um, and, and uh, the other thing that, that you can't really project too many weeks ahead in advance is because when these guys come available on the waiver wire and become hot waiver wire guys, it's usually because of injury. Um, and, you know, you can't predict who's going to get hurt, obviously. Um, I, I do try and, and, and look ahead, and, and I try to find the guys that – I've always looked for the guys that if one thing changes, they could actually step in and and, and do the job. So, example – you know, if if Dallas Ezekiel if Elliott gets hurt, I think Rod Smith could step in and actually be a starting running back and be productive. Um, take another team, Washington. You know, this week, Adrian Peterson's questionable, Chris Thompson, I, I don't know what the news is today, but hurt his ribs at the end of the game. Could Capri could Bibbs actually get in there and keep that job for a couple weeks? I don't think so. I mean, the guy is third string for a reason. You know, so so I try to, try to target the guys that – if there's an injury that happens, you know, something, one thing that happens, could they step in and, and be productive in that role going forward? And those are the kind of guys that I target. Yeah. Uh, as far as looking ahead on, on, on waiver wire, on bye weeks, I do want defenses. That's for sure because I think most people look ahead one week, you know, or the week they're actually in. And, you know, that, that defense that plays a great home matchup, you know, they're going to go for a lot. So I'm trying to look forward, you know, two and three weeks on my defenses. I'm definitely trying to about, you know, probably week eight, week nine, I'm trying to look forward into the playoffs and, you know, get my defense get, – get two defenses that, that mix together really well for that playoff run because, like I said earlier, my main goal is to win that main event. So I'm kind of target everything towards weeks 14 through 16.
1: Yeah, and I think you make a good point about that for sure. Is is you know the the decisions are magnified in weeks fourteen to sixteen. So you want to have the best possible options available to you. And if that means you got to start looking at it in week nine, week ten, week eleven, or what have you, uh, then you got to start doing it then. So and and I think a lot of people who won six figure prizes would tell you that's exactly what you need to be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, by the time everybody hears this, the FFPC waivers will have uh, processed. So you. Are, uh, you can feel free to speak freely here, my friend. Who is uh, who's your hot ad off uh, off the waiver wire this week in the FFPC main event, or is there just nobody that is really uh, tripping your trigger right now?
4: Yeah, this is a uh, <clears throat> this is really to me one of the lightest weeks as far as talents available on the waiver wire that we've had so far this year. Um, there are a couple guys that I'm tar- I'm, I'm kind of targeting more for for long term. So if I've got an extra spot on my roster where I'm just you know, not real thrilled with the guy there. Um, I've got Curtis Samuel this week. You know, he showed a lot last year at the end of the year, and then this week, you know, it was clear that that Cam likes Curtis Samuel, and the guy is the most dynamic receiver they have. You know, they they their receiving core kind of slow plotter type guys, and, and and here's a here's a littler guy, kind of a a Tyreek Hill light, not as fast, but I mean, he 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 kind of brings that. A dynamic piece of that offense, and I think he's going to his role is going to grow more and more. So he's a guy I'm adding for for weeks down the road. Josh Adams, I'm taking a dollar flyer on Josh Adams, the guy I liked a lot in college. He's got a lot of talent. He came out way too early, um, and he's now mired on. You know, he was on Philly's practice squad, and now with all the injuries, he's he's moved up the last couple weeks and he's gotten a couple carries. I think he's got a lot of talent, a lot of potential. You know, if if a small wood gets hurt, which he's a small, fragile guy, if Corey Clement gets hurt, you know, we talked about he's he's injury prone. You know, Josh Adams could get could get some touches and could have some viability. So that's the guy I'm targeting there. Yeah, I know. Uh, other than that, you know, not, not too much. I'm trying to set up my defenses for a couple of weeks from now. I think Kansas City's got a couple good matchups coming up. Um, you know, I look at Kansas City when they're playing teams that I think they're going to score a ton of points and their team's going to have to pass late. And Kansas City's got great pass rushers. They can just pin their ears back and come at them. And they've got a couple good juicy home matchups coming up in the next couple weeks uh, with that scenario. And so they're a team I'm just targeting to put them on the bench for for them.
1: Yeah, Chiefs are an interesting defense. I think that a lot of people – just look at the offense and understand like well with all those points that they put up they're going to be involved in some shootouts but you do mm-hmm. have that advantage when uh, when Kansas City does get out to that those big leads in the second half that does open up the opportunities for some free, free shots um, you know on blitzes or what have you a lot of the sacks can pile up and those sacks can easily turn into turnovers and those turnovers exactly. can easily turn into defensive touchdowns so good point there Jason you've been incredibly gracious with your time uh, today this week uh, on uh, on the high stakes lowdown. I really appreciate it before I let you go. last question is there a stud, an early round stud maybe you know picked rounds one, two three, something like that that you might actually consider benching not necessarily one that you own um, but you know one that that that, I, that you think high stakes owners should actually um, take a pause before they set their lineups and make absolutely sure they want that guy in there, a guy that you think might be sat down. Uh, in high stakes lineups and then uh, a sleeper that not a lot of people probably will be starting but you think deserves mention as a potential starter
4: Yeah, actually both my answers, you know, I thought about this I hate to be a homer and and I generally am not when it comes to to my fantasy uh, football and uh, And my Bears, but I think both those answers on the Bears I would not start Jordan Howard and he was drafted probably in the first three rounds Oh, uh, there's just no way that I, w- I would be able to start him uh, this week. I'd be staying away from that. Uh, it'd be tough not to start Saquon Barkley, but I don't think he's going to have a good game for Thursday night. Uh, I don't really like that matchup for him. I hate the Thursday night games, although they've been high scoring this year. Uh, I, I just have a bad feeling about him, and I don't know why. It's just a gut feeling. Uh, I you know, you're probably not going to sit Saquon, but but I, I would I would think that that's got a chance to be a uh, a tough spot for him this week. Um, you know, as far as the sleeper goes, my, my absolute sleeper is – is he's probably somebody that's on everybody's roster, but not really considering starting as Taylor Gabriel. I think he has a phenomenal week again this week. Uh, Miami's been bad covering the slot receivers, and Gabriel's lined up in the slot more than anywhere else. Uh, I think my Chicago coming off that bye is going to be able to put up a ton of points down there in Miami, assuming that there's no monsoon going through there on Sunday. Uh, that that's the guy that I'm looking for. And I'm actually getting him in some lineups over some, some people that uh, most people probably wouldn't do that.
1: Jason, I lied one more question since you, uh, you, since you follow the bears so closely, uh, a guy I'm curious about, Allen Robinson. I own him in a ton of spots this year, and he had the 110 catch game. But outside of that, uh, I've been underwhelmed by it with how many targets he's been getting because Mitchell Trubisky has been spraying it around to Trey Burton, Taylor Gabriel, who you mentioned, obviously Anthony Miller. He's got to get healthy again, but once he gets back, he'll be another guy they'll look for in that offense. And Tariq Cohen, obviously getting his fair share of catches. Do you envision that Allen Robinson's target share is going to go up, or is this you know kind of what we've seen over the first few weeks where? You know he's going to have that big game every so often, but other than that, um, the, the the Bears' offense is made for it to be spread around, and you you got to kind of temper expectations with him. What are your thoughts on Robinson?
4: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I definitely think that that this is probably the norm that you're going to see. He's getting the number one cornerback every time. So like this week, he's getting Xavier Howard from Miami, who's probably a top five corner in the league. Um, he's not the fastest guy in the world. He goes up and gets the ball, but You've got all these little lightning guys like Gabriel and Cohen, and Burton's a matchup nightmare for for linebackers, uh, and that they're they're open all over the place. So Trubisky, and to his credit, just finding the opening guy and hitting him that first week. I I think that 10 catch 10 target game was 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 early. as against Green Bay, I believe. You know, I think he was just kind of feeling his way and, and really getting comfortable in the system, and you know, going to 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 hit what you know the reliable target. your number one quote-unquote number one, and and now that we're opening up the offense a little bit, we're running a lot more trick plays, uh, I think you'll see his usage, you know, die down. You know, he's still a great red zone target because he's so big. He can go up and get the ball, and he's got great body position. Um, so I think they'll use him for that for sure. But, uh, you know, the days of 10 targets, they're not going to happen every week, in, in my opinion.
1: And I guess the best thing that, that I can take away from that is, look, the Bears uh, are, are an ascending offense. They, it is going to be a, a potent offense um, soon. And to get the uh, you know the, the, the quote-unquote alpha receiver on that team, uh, it, it, you could do a lot worse in fantasy than having him on your roster.
4: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Jason, thanks so much for joining the uh, High Stakes Lowdown this week. Uh, I want to thank you and then uh, wish you good luck, not only in the FFPC main event on this 24th place team, but on uh, all of your teams this season. Uh, hopefully you come out with a big victory to come uh, this december man
4: yeah thank you i appreciate it uh, it was fun and uh yeah we need some need some luck for that to happen you know, there's there's a lot of uh, a lot of skill that goes in this but there's still also a lot of luck uh especially in winning the big prize um but yeah i'm set up good position for this year and looking forward to it and uh thanks for having me on
1: Thank you for listening to the High Stakes Lowdown, a RotoViz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. And thanks to Grapes for our theme music. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the RotoViz Radio feed. It helps us find new listeners. Contact us via email rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think and follow us on Twitter at RotoViz Radio. And remember, you can always support the show by subscribing to RotoViz at a 30% discount through the NFL podcast homepage, rotoviz.com/podcast.
5: This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. Decoy Decoy by Duckhorn. Elevate your occasion. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. Decoy by Duckhorn, Elevate Your Occasion.
2: Love a good deal? Sale into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store fifty to seventy percent off. Dresses from nineteen ninety nine. Polos from sixteen ninety nine. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Love a good deal? Sale into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from 19.99, polos from 16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts.